Hey everyone, and welcome to the final episode of How I Scaled My Team Season 1. During the past nine months, we've spoken to countless CEOs, founders, VPs, and team leaders for some of the fastest growing tech companies in the world. We've learned how they hire top talents, how they manage successful reorganizations, the importance of making bold decisions, and when it's actually best to pivot or stop an entire operation. As this season comes to an end, we thought it would be incredible to pull together all the best parts from our conversations and answer one of the biggest questions, how exactly do you scale a team? First, let's rewind to when we spoke to Johnny Steele, VP Marketing at Payoneer, and hear what advice he has. I'll say it as one and I'll say it in three words. Don't be afraid. There are so many opportunities to, to scale, to bring a diversity of ideas into the team, to hire local. And so many marketing leaders and managers that don't do it simply because they are afraid of what's different and what's unknown. And if you can get past that and realize that the worst thing that can happen if you make a wrong hire or you explore going into a, a, a market that you're not quite ready for is that you'd hire the wrong person, you'll hire somebody different or you went into a market, you're not ready, you'll stop and you'll go back in there later. But there's so many people that don't make those decisions and they end up much smaller than they could be, much too centralized simply because they're afraid. So don't be afraid. One of the earlier chats we had was with Benjamin Serrault, CPO at SimilarWeb. He shares what he would do differently when scaling a team and his perspective on Gen Z talents. Like if I had a magic wand and I would do things differently, I'll, I'll, there are two things that uh, I would do differently. First, I would uh, teach my younger self to be more self-confident about hiring people that are better than you. I think it's actually an extremely important concept. And, and for young managers, it's complicated because you always have this, you know, fear of being replaced and managing your career and stuff. But, but it's actually stupid because if you don't hire people that are better than you, you can never take on yourself more because you, you cannot ever replace yourself. Being replaceable is a good thing. And I wish I would have learned that earlier uh, in my journey. Uh, this is the first thing. And the second thing, I, I have tons of things that I would have done differently in the product, but it's way too long to actually <laughs> talk about that here. Jessica Williams, VP of People at Refine Labs, shares her perspective and advice to HR leaders on how to best deal with growth. My advice would be to a VP of HR, VP of People, you are not an extension of the legal team. If that is your thought, that you are an extension of the legal team or you are about compliance, You are wrong. That Clapping our hands. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's not it. You're in the wrong position. You need to be worried about the culture, employee engagement, um, all of those things. If you see yourself as a part of compliance, you're in the wrong. So, and it won't last. So my advice is do better. <laughs> Love that. Short and to the point. We chatted with Nicholas Kantopoulos, Twilio's VP Marketing for Asia Pacific in Japan, who has spent years building and scaling teams internationally. Here's his advice to executives going through growth in their companies. Really looking at how you can empower your teams to make decisions and give them the freedom to create. Innovation requires the willingness to fail. You've got to be willing to fail to be able to innovate. No innovation comes throughout without failure. And this is what I often find quite funny with a lot of senior execs. I say, oh, we need to be innovative. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I often question them. I'd say, okay, what do you mean by that? Are you asking me to innovate through the lens of being willing for me to fail? Because if you're doing that, I'm, I'm on board, man. I'll test the waters I'll, and I'll learn from those mistakes and apply that to the next iteration of what I want to do. But too many businesses don't really want to do that. They, and that's, I think... The leaders that really want to drive change and really be memorable, 
piggyback on that with a comment sorry i know it's your answer but i gotta comment on that because i completely relate in my career one of the things most um senior leaders or under pressure by the way definitely in public traded companies it's like you gotta perform you gotta perform and in in some points you kind of you you blur the lines between focus on execution and focus on long-term innovation and most organizations and leader underestimate that getting innovation to generate any business value um is usually uh, takes longer and more expensive than what you initially thought. 100%. And then you get uh, you get frustrated halfway through. And it's like, well, it's not generating any value. No one's buying it yet. So well, it's like, we, it takes years. It's no innovation generates significant impact within months, hardly ever. And so uh, it's a journey to your point and you got to put in the effort and you got to understand as you're walking in, that you're walking into a long-term experiment. And sometimes it's going to fail fast, and it's great because you at least understood fast that it failed. But some, but generating success is far longer. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the beauties, just a bit, bit riff off that. Uh, I guess if you look at it through the marketing lens, like which is where I, the world I I operate in, the beauty of digital is that you can test an idea out pretty quickly uh, in terms of from a you know message or bit of content, et cetera. And so there's innovation of the product. Obviously, what you just spoke to, you know, that does take certainly um, the willingness to, to take a longer term view. But the cool thing is with, you know, like in my field, um, you know, if my team comes up with an idea, we can get that in, into market pretty quickly. Um, what all I ask is that you test, learn and adapt. Yeah. That's where, again, I think some oversight initially, if you've got younger ones, they're learning and that's where you might have a bit more of a um, oversight there but as you as those individuals build experience and you've got that core competency and mindset in place then just let them go and um as long as they're learning from that and they're applying those lessons uh you know hopefully you're going to move in the right direction ceo and co-founder of trip action and a great friend ariel cohen told us about the difficult decisions often involved in scaling a team like having to let good people go here's what he had to say about this Focus on the vision and mission. Don't be afraid to change it, right? If you feel, you know, it's companies are growing, they are getting their confidence. Don't be afraid to make it bigger, to change it, to steer it. And generally, don't be afraid. I actually think that's probably another kind of advice. But focus on the vision and mission. I think that's the most important thing. And have the courage to go for it. Sharon Bachar, Chief People Officer at Melio, a B2B payment unicorn, explains her take on the importance of treating your employees as your ambassadors. Let's hear it. I'm not sure I have one specific example. But if I went back in time, I probably would have advised people Shalon, to make sure not only to comp- not to compromise on talent, and sometimes you know running a bit slower creates the ability to enjoy the ride and scale even faster. And what I mean by that is, you know we're all really extremely busy in our day to day. We're running fast, we take decisions fast. Um, we're facing you know an incredible opportunity ahead of us. And I think we need to make sure that um, we take care of each other. Make sure that our teams in the company feel supported and that feel that they have what they need to perform their best way and enjoy the ride because this is what it's all about at the end. It really is about the journey. And this is a hell of a journey and an incredible one. Um, and I think we should all, you know, just have the ability to pause for a second from time to time. I'm not saying slowing down. I'm just saying pause for a second, take a deep breath, appreciate the journey and, um, And continue and focus on the future. That's probably my two cents. Sege Baron is Senior Director of Engineering and Head of Israel R&D Center for Sage. He used a great analogy to demonstrate the advice he's given 
to other leaders during growth? I'll give something that I can talk about from my personal perspective. So I play tennis. And today I, I do that uh, solely for fun. But as a kid, I played competitive tennis. And despite its very elegant reputation, if you think about it, tennis is uh, just a graceful flavor of Hunger Games, right? It's a zero-sum game. You either win or lose. No other option. And at the beginning of my career, I played tennis in the office. Okay, And I definitely stepped some other toes. And that's something that I learned not to do anymore. Work is, is team sports. And you need, as we said earlier, build relationships, collaborate with others, help others to achieve their goals as well. And if you like to play tennis like me, keep it to the tennis court. Someone else who feels similarly about teamwork is Noga Halperin, Chief Revenue Officer of SizePlay. This is the advice she has about beginning to scale and building out a team. Don't be afraid to make the tough decisions, but remember that you're dealing with humans, with people when you do it, and um, that eventually you want people that work for your company or that used to work for a company to be your ambassador. So always think about what's best for the company and uh, not what's best for one person, what's best for me, what's best, you know, it's, it's what's best for the company. That is... The one thing that you need to keep in mind and, and that is that is what you should really make your decisions by. But then remember that you're dealing with people and remember that a decision that looked like the hardest decision to make and to execute on today, when you like when you look at it back, it will seem like you know it's something that was doable. So be, be brave enough to do it. Love that. Be tough, be human. Maybe you should put it on a t-shirt. Arbel Zinger is VP product at Melio, and he shares some really useful advice on the importance of transparency when you're scaling a team. I'm trying to be very open with my employees. Like, you can't say anything, obviously. A lot of time you don't know, right? You just don't know. I try to tell them that when I know, I tell them. I try not to hide anything. And having honest conversations, a lot of times it's better than kind of waiting until something bursts. Uh, and it goes both ways. It's about great things they're doing. It's about things they can improve on. Uh, I think everyone heard about radical candor, right? Like when someone has, <laughs> when someone does something that is not great, I tell them right away. And I think they appreciate that because we base this trust and respect relationship between us. Um, even hard conversations, right? Uh, there's a reorg. Someone is not acting that well. I feel like opening this conversation and being transparent, being honest. Uh, I mean, me being a manager doesn't mean I'm perfect, right? And I think that's like a really, it took me time to figure it out. Like most product manager, I think we uh, we start thinking we know everything and then we become where we go and we like, we don't know anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, you, you gotta be, I'm, I'm trying to be really open and honest. And I'm trying to hear what people are saying. If they disagree with me, it doesn't mean I'll change my mind, but I want them to feel, not just to feel, I want to really listen to them and to let them know their opinion matters. And, and, it, and it does, right? Um, and I think that's a really important uh, tip. And if I have another one to give, and I just thought about okay, it Okay, okay, another Sorry, one. Sorry, it's a short one. <laughs> Two tips in one. Two yeah, tips in one. Is don't be afraid to hire people that are different than you. Uh, they can really balance you a lot of times. Um, I'll add to that, don't. Be afraid to hire people that are, that are better than you. 
Oh yeah, that's for sure. But like, uh, everyone are better than me. So, uh, but uh, yeah, like people that are different. Sometimes I always try and uh, when I interview someone, I try to write down like answers and kind of read it la- later and see how would I answer the same question. And I really look for this different state of mind because I already have myself right, and, and I'm trying to find people that think a bit different or have another thing they. Give for I don't have any design background, and now I have a couple of PMs that have like been designers, which is awesome because they bring something to the table that I can never give. I know what I like, I don't know what's good, right? And so that's my other tip for that. I think it's challenging uh, when you hire, you know, friends of friends of friends, and you kind of stay in the same kind of circle mm-hmm. of people that are usually kind of grew in the same or were educated in the same, and it's something that mm-hmm. has you have to have a lot of I think guts to actually hire and. Welcome to the team or welcome to your mm-hmm. life, people that are different with uh, from you of what you learned, what you experienced. So it's something we actively as a, as an ecosystem needs to improve on, right? Like everyone says that yeah. we want to hire everyone, and I truly believe people want to hire everyone that fits the job, right? It's in this day and age in the market, if you don't hire someone on like non-objective things, you're an idiot in my point, my opinion. But we do need to work to actively work on that and become better in that in interviewing people. Uh, that are different than you on like reaching out uh, to different groups than your friends, uh, like increase the core that is like make the core people more diverse and then they'll reach to their friends, which are different than you, which is great. Exactly. And um, it's not a solved problem. And I think we as an ecosystem will have to solve because uh, we don't have enough talent, right? We have an, a problem. We don't have enough people. Get more freelancers. Freelancers create diversity. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm getting freelancers as well. So, you know, like shameless plug, like I'm hiring a bunch of people, PMs, designers, uh, developers of all kinds, data analysts, like whatever you think you can do. If you're awesome, talk to me and I'll be happy to take you to the right place. Forward planning is something that's easier said than done sometimes. But Neil Goldstein, VP Sales at Monday, explains why it's the biggest piece of advice he can give for fast growth. It's two, but it's uh, two words. It's planning <laughs> and agility. Don't just live the day-to-day. Plan ahead uh, with, with your best knowledge, your best educated guess on, on what's going on and how you deal with it. Um, I started planning uh, 2023 at January 2022. There, I'm, I'm doing a lot of changes to the plan, especially now throughout the year. But I've started planning. I've started identifying the challenges that I'm going to face but at the end of the year earlier on. It allows me to to take action and, and be agile. Um, act fast. Try to identify trends earlier on and, um, and uh, identify those uh, elements that requires your action in order to make a change and adapt. I think if you do those two, it's going to be much easier for you to grow your sales organization. Someone else who also speaks to the benefits of planning ahead is one of our most recent guests, Lotte Vester, head of organizational strategy at Asana. Here she's sharing her advice to other managers. In my in my view, I would say, you know, always think ahead, uh, far ahead and, and keep coming back to your mission to drive your, your strategy. Uh, an execution and create clarity around your goals to make sure that people feel 
empowered to move fast. And I, I do think that the culture component that I mentioned earlier is important. Like be intentional about your values, the people you hire, and the dynamics you create uh, within your team. And uh, because in the end, I think culture drives uh, business success. Culture drives business success. Now I like that. Uh, that should be on a poster somewhere. Now we're heading back to our first ever guest on the podcast, Adina Eckstein, COO at Lemonade, a unicorn tech insurance company. In her episode, she discussed how to keep staff motivated in the ever-changing and unpredictable workplaces. Here's her advice. It's all about the people, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, maybe I'll speak to, speak to something again, going back to Lemonade, but it actually helps me answer the question. Um, we have a uh, we have a philosophy that the sort of concept of HR business partner is something that uh, that we don't have. We we have a, a people team. We do talent acquisition. We 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 build learning and development activities. We we have a strong operation that we try to power with a lot of tech and bots and sort of less uh, less heavy on people. But we put a lot of responsibility on the managers to constantly be thinking about the people side of things. Um, I think that I think that if you're if you hire well um, people that are just really good at their craft um, don't don't be don't be threatened by people being better than you at their craft that's that's great um, and you you spend a lot of time onboarding people a lot of time Uh, getting to the point that you're you really understand each other in terms of how we like to communicate how we like to make decisions uh, how we think through things how we problem solve um, are we kind are we bold are we direct sort of get to this place where you're tuned with one another on on how you like to run things and then set that person free you know Chuck crazy goals that are fields ahead of them and sort of for them to figure their way how to get there. Um, and then the whole, the whole role you have as a manager is kind of creating the environment in which that person is likely to succeed getting there. Um, so, so it's just about the people, understanding what makes them wire, understanding what they're good at, and then setting them really, um, crazy but achievable targets and trusting them to get there. Joab Vilner is a co-founder and CEO at Walnut. He spoke to us about the importance of hiring sales and marketing executives early on to ensure business success. Here's what he had to say. Trying to set expectations with people about where their job is taking them in the company. And so, for instance, you know, if you talk to everyone, everyone wants to be your COO or, you know, everyone wants to eventually be your CMO or... CRO are, you know, you, you have a problem, like you need to make sure that people are aligned with their role and their path in your company for the next, at least for the next year or two. Um, also, it's, it's a good expectation to set when you're just interviewing them. But besides, a lot of tension will grow the bigger you grow. Like if you suddenly grow from 50 to 200, then, you know, people that were owning a whole field within the company now have to split it with more people. And, you know, it, it, it's a very interesting topic. Like, I think it was also on Zero to One, the book by... Um, um, Peter Thiel. Andreessen, I think, or Horowitz, one no, of them. Zero to One, I think, um, is Peter Thiel, so, no? Look it up. I will look it up. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's uh, hard, hard Things About Hard Things. Yeah, yeah, that's, by, that's uh, Ben. It's a great book. That's Ben. 
So he was talking about, you know, someone that's owning a, a role and then you raise a lot of money and he needs to split it with a lot more people that, you know, it's, it's very hard decisions, very, you know, because it's, you've become friends and you want to see that they're having, having a good time working for you, but then you have to give them a bad, you know, a bad, uh, a bad, uh, for them personally, it's a bad new positioning for the role because it's not growing anymore. And it's a whole lot of mess. So if you can set expectations first, that's always better. We have a couple more guests that we would like to highlight before we go. So Vered Ravir Schwartz, COO and president at Gesti, a property management platform, shares her advice to people attempting to scale their teams. Two things I want to say, okay? One is about career and one is about building your team. Uh, about careers, it's, I always have a very similar message. It's about taking risks. It's about understanding that you can't climb a ladder if you will not go to places where you didn't go to before. You always have to experience new roles, new responsibilities. And uh, I felt I did that a lot in my career. I, I took those leaps of faith and that really brought me to where I am today. And in terms of team buildings, it's understanding that you can never rest. Your team keeps evolving. The needs keep evolving. And you need to reevaluate your situation every few months, every quarter even. I'm doing it at Guesty. We did it at Fiverr. You always have to think, is that the right thing for my team, for me, for the company now? And take the hard decisions when you need to. Closing our mighty show packed full of advice is Jonathan Shelmerdine, VP of Product in Sentinel-1. He spoke to us about the company's unique success story. Here he is giving us advice and to managers that are about to build teams in hyper-growth companies. The first thing is find people at the company that you trust that are going to have an impact on your success. So for example, for me, it was the leadership of sales engineering and marketing and customer success and, and find people within those roles, within those departments that you trust and, and use them as a barometer for both the structure that you're proposing, the process you're proposing and the people that you hire. Meaning find people outside of the organization that you are in within the company and use them as, as your source of truth and your barometer for what is going well and what isn't. And I think that will keep you more honest uh, than any other approach because they know that if you don't do well, they're going to fail. So that's in their best interest to have you succeed. They are as objective as you're going to get. The second thing, and, and I don't know, maybe this is obvious, but the more you can hire people that you feel comfortable talking to, not about work. And even if it is about work, then it doesn't feel forced, the better. Because I think that someone could be amazing at their job and have immense subject matter expertise. But if you don't get along with them well, you're going to struggle. Uh, and I think that's true both upwards and downwards. That's true for you as someone evaluating whether a manager seems to be a good fit for you as an employee and whether as a manager, whether a hire is a good fit for you. That doesn't mean hire only people that, that are like you or, or join, only join companies where everyone went to I don't know, the same unit as you in the army. But it does mean taking that into account. Uh, and I think that somewhere between those two, whether you're an employee or, or a manager, I think that both of them should help 
Thank you all for joining us uh, for series one of How I Scale My Team. It's been a privilege uh, to be able to speak to so many leaders at the top of their game and to hear their stories, their highs and lows, and of course, their advice uh, about scaling. We started this season when you know the, the market was at its peak and now we're, we're at, a, at a few months of a downturn, which is gonna be interesting to see where things end. I think one of the things that's gonna be interesting for us to, to see Romy is if things move forward is are these leaders that have scaled teams, can they right-size their teams to changing economics, uh, growing inflation, and how they're coping with not just you know scaling fast, but right-sizing an organization uh, to new challenges? What do you think? I think the process that we saw uh, through these past months is incredible um, from, you know, throwing lavish parties and, you know, uh, hiring all around to minimizing and, you know, making sure that, you know, everything is much more responsible and uh, kind of secured. And I think it's super interesting to see uh, what happened through these past months. It feels like the Texan is going through puberty. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, it will be super interesting to see what happens next. And, you know, I actually encourage everyone to listen back to the previous episodes and kind of cherry pick the insights and advice that each one of our guests had shared with us. I'm sure everyone can kind of take something uh, from each episode. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as we look into next year, and obviously some of the challenges, who do you want to have on the show next year? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, with everything that is going on, I think Zoom, I don't know, a company that I would be, love to talk to somebody from there. Stripe with what's going on over at their company. And it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be a surprise, but I'm going to say Twitter. <laughs> By the way, I would say Twitter obviously is interesting it was, if there's going to be people left there. Uh, but I'd like to talk to people from, <laughs> Maybe Elon. from Tesla. <laughs> It may be Elon. I'd like to talk to people from SpaceX and Tesla. Uh, what do they think about what's happening in, in Twitter? I mean, would they say, you know, we saw this coming? I mean, we worked for the guy for the past few years. We know what it's capable of. Or are they surprised by what's happening? So definitely a lot of interesting uh, individuals to speak to. I, I'd also like to talk to a few corporates. We spoke to a lot of high growth companies. Um, it would be interesting to us to some corporates and now they're, they're handling meta is a great example the company is going through a significant change and obviously now downsizing but still a, a huge company very successful would love to see how they're thinking how they're scaling teams in a mature company sounds very interesting and we'll get to it so we're not going to say goodbye uh, we're going to say see you soon and shahar it's been a pleasure see you soon see you soon